outside? Should I run and hide? How do I take my company worldwide? Do you love the law? Did you watch Hee Haw? What's the weirdest thing that you ever saw? What's it like in court? Favorite sport? Can you help with my book report? Is my hair too long? Am I right or wrong? And do you mind if I sing along to anything? Ask Alan anything in the world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Ask Alan, the podcast. I'm Alan Crone, the CEO of the Crone Law Firm, and uh, I've got uh, with me a, a great entrepreneur, Sam Coates, who is the founder of Driven by Sam Coates, a, um, a, a media company. I'll let him talk to you about exactly uh, what that is. It's a great 21st century business idea. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Alan, great to be here. Well, uh, start at Brass Text. Uh, tell me, first of all, just tell me what the mission of your company is. We work for corporations and we work for usually entrepreneurs. And our job is to provide thoughtful turnkey interviews and production in a way that gets to the heart of who they are and what they care about and what they've built in our building and do that each and every time in a very authentic white glove and thoughtful way. And what's uh how did you get here? What was your background um, in order to uh, put this sort of business together? My background is unconventional. Um, not a journalist by trade, very curious personality, started a business mowing lawns. My family was in the steel company and that didn't make it through 08. So I started mowing lawns to pay for college at university of Memphis and needed to pay for school, needed to, handle, you know, everything. And so it's very driven to survive, um, essentially. And then I grew a landscape company and did things right, learned hard lessons. And, you know, I, honestly, I was probably kind of depressed, uh, mid to late twenties. Cause I was just like, is this what I'm going to do the rest of my life? I mean, it's a great business. It's important to consumers and, you know, campuses and, it's, it, it is for some people, but it's a hard business. And, and I was, you know, I just, that's just not something I wanted to own and stay in for the rest of my life. And there was other ways to, you know, I could have transitioned out and kept ownership, et cetera. But I'd say this podcast and the work I do, the interviews, it's a result of just experiencing good things of loving to sell of loving people of but also living through some really hard stuff and you kind of it kind of removes the veneer i think life experiences give you the ability to sit down it doesn't matter who it is doesn't matter what corporation they run or what business they build or what city office they have and you can kind of cut through all the bs because you can understand that they're people at the end of the day but then for me, it's always been fascinating connecting the dots on the things that have evolved throughout their life or their own curiosities, how they got to that point. And so I sold that landscape company in 2019 and just launched a podcast on a whim. Can't really describe why I did it. I was just curious, probably seeking answers in my own life. And then I was fortunate to be asked by a great Memphis company to, to produce a private one for them for a great entrepreneur and then the rest, you know, just picking up the phone or word of mouth or just hustling like with anything else, just, you know, let has led to other opportunities and just 
continuing to try to deliver the best possible service and experience you can. What do you think is the, uh, well, first of all, let me, let me uh, uh, congratulate you, although you don't need my congratulations, <laughs> but uh, taking, you know, a, a, a unique approach and, uh, you know, I, I say every superhero has an origin story. And um, it, it sounds like one of the things that you do is document uh, entrepreneurs' origin stories, how they how they got where to to where they are now. Yeah, and I mean, life's hard. <laughs> I mean, life's also good. So I don't want to be. There's positivity and there's fulfillment and joy, but there's not one person I've been with corporately and privately and. You can check my clients. They're well-known families here and entrepreneurs, and they're well-known outside of the country that they haven't had their back up against a wall one or many times. And so um, you're really just trying to get to the truth, and but do it in a way that's redeeming and edifying to the person that you're with. Right. So, you know, uh, I don't know why I said that right there, but you said something that prompted me about an entrepreneur's origin story. And there's no, even though it's hard to accept and live in every day when you're going through it, there's nobody that's done anything meaningful and worthwhile that hasn't gone through hell at points of their life. That's right. This expectation I think we have in modern times that I don't know if it's social media or, or what, but we all kind of, at least, at least I'll put it, I, I won't speak for everybody. I'll speak for myself. It seems to me that I think a lot of times that the obstacles and challenges in my life are not supposed to be there. I'm supposed to be able to execute my business plan without having to uh, to deal with things I, I don't anticipate. And I almost take it personally when things happen that I don't anticipate happen. Yes, sir. And, you know, it, I can have amnesia at times, unfortunately, but it has been a powerful shift when I think about my son who's 15 months old and I think about what kind of story am I living for him? And, you know, or when I think about, I don't want to say names, but, you know, there's a very well-known executive here in Memphis, you know, they didn't get the job that they first, that they, you know, at the corporation that they retired at decades later, where they ran, traveled the world on Fortune 500 boards, they didn't get the first job out. You know, there's just, and I know Mike, you hear the stories about Michael Jordan, but those things are true. And, you know, how people respond, I, I've had the privilege of being with people and understanding the truth, not just no disrespect, the Memphis business headline, you know, because that's not always the full story. I mean, that's just a good, and that's great. We need that. But I've seen people when their backs up against the wall and that's the stuff that one of the things that, you know, I go to personally. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I think that the pandemic is a good example. Uh, there were a lot of people who uh, I knew that in business that I would call them up and, and they would spend 20 minutes telling me, how bad everything is and how, you know, this is killing them and it's killing their business. And, uh, just can't, you know, this, it's not right. It shouldn't be this way. And rather than, you know, then I would talk to other people who, who said, man, this, you know, I, 
I, I don't want the, I didn't want there to be a pandemic, but now that it's here, man, this is really, uh, my business is taking off because I, I made this adjustment or that adjustment. And, uh, the, that those are the people that are really successful. The ones, uh, I don't know if you've uh, ever read extreme ownership by Jock, uh, Jocko Willick, but you know, he says when somebody comes to him and says, we got a problem, he says, he says, I want my reaction to be, Oh, great. Good. I'm glad we had a failure. Let's, let's figure out where, how we grow from this. And that mindset, uh, is uh is hard to come by yes sir well i mean an example and i'm not saying this to get anything out of it i don't do any current anything currently for them right now but pat lawler at youth village is you know they they're the cream of the crop when it comes to nonprofits around the country don't know the data around the world they're funding mckenzie bezos the people on their board but pat didn't you know, when you know his origin story, he has been relentless and intense and passionate for decades. And to me, that's an example of, and I could go on, you know, but when he, you know, there's a Daily Memphian article came out about a year ago. That's the obviously the paper here, the digital, one of the digital, one of the papers here, that's a great story. You know, he talks about taking out loans just to try to meet payroll and things like that early on. But that's that's what I see. And I, and I don't necessarily know if I have it. I'm just trying to do my best. And I'm not trying to idolize these people. But they're not doing it for the external. They're not doing it for the funding. They're not doing it for to speak at Harvard. They're doing it because there's something in their heart that pushed them down that path. And they've just well, they've been willing to stay in it and sacrifice and go all in for a long period of time and they they've been engaged and it's, it's inspiring to me. I was, uh, I was, I was talking with a, um, with uh, the head of a major nonprofit here in town. And uh, this person was saying that um, they were concerned about uh, succession. And this was, this is probably still three, three to five years out, but they were very concerned about succession and the longer they talk, the more I realized that uh, the mission of the of the enterprise was more important to them than their own job. And I think whether you're the executive director of a non-for-profit or the CEO of a company that you founded, if you're in that place where the organization and the mission is more important than you, then you're not going to let a little thing like a like one payroll stand in your way of uh, that ultimate mission. And would would you say that that's a common denominator among a lot of the successful folks that you document? Absolutely, and and I've seen great corporate leaders. You know, it's hard for a publicly traded corporation to have the care and passion that a private does, and I would say most times they don't no disrespect, but it's just hard. It's, it's a different game, but even corporate publicly traded executive, the best ones I see there, they care about their people. They care about their development. They care about their opportunity. And so absolutely. And, and honestly, I mean, I think this is where it takes awareness and emotional intelligence. I mean, I'm looking at something right now to do, to take on in addition to what I'm doing, and I've got to think about, you know, 
where's my heart in it? And obviously it's more than just heart. You got to think about the opportunity, the the price and the plan, but because there's been times in my life where I've been a frontline leader and I've been willing to do whatever it takes any time of the day and get out there in the trenches and motivate your people. And, and then there's been times where I probably not, probably I was more entitled. Um, and so I need to constantly, at least in my own life, go to war with that because the, to your point, the most effective leaders that I know and the best companies they're run by people that think the way that you said, and they put the mission above themselves. And there's a lot of examples of wealthy people, but crappy businesses because it's the other way around. And I, but I, and I don't say that judgmentally because I got to check my own heart and things are better when you're handling it the way that you framed it. I agree. Now for your customers, uh, if someone's listening to this and thinking, um, Where's my ROI on a uh, podcast about my origin story? That sounds like a vanity project to me. What would you say to that? That that may be a good point, and I may agree with them, but I also may not agree with them. So it depends on the context. I mean, it's more. I do more than podcasts. Um, so I have a producer that's in a different market. I have videographers where we produce documentaries. We also produce, you know, video interviews. When we do that, I mean, there's a, there's a company we're doing a project for in a month that they're celebrating 30 years and they want, they want for posterity purposes, they want long form interviews with the founders. They want to know what their odds of success were, why they went for it, what they saw in the market. They want, so, 10, 20, 30 years from now, they want to be able to go back to their founders and understand their own heartbeat and their thinking. I would argue that that, even though that can be challenging at times to quantify what's the ROI, that's another way to keep the company focused and to keep the North Star the North Star. But they are going to do a documentary piece that's going to be used for clients, associates, and then also you know, that and over the next one, two, three decades. So that's going to be a marketing piece. That's going to help. That's going to align. That's going to, because of my clients are high end oftentimes and entrepreneurs, that's a perfect fit for what this organization does. So that's going to help make them stand out in a really kind of shallow business world, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, if somebody else wants to do a podcast, I mean, I've got a client right now and they we built them an international show. And one of their values is thought leadership. And, and you're also getting to humanize their, their principles in a way that the clients in the market would not get to hear. And they have an international audience. So if, if the values of the organization are thought leadership and influencing where things are headed in their space... I would argue that, and based off of the price they're paying, there's not another way that they're able to do what they're doing now. And then there's other projects where maybe it wouldn't be a good fit. So intellectual honesty is important. Sharing the data is important. And, you know, just really understanding each person's need, because sometimes, yeah, it doesn't make sense, but sometimes here's the data, here's what's going to happen. Um, 
and it does make sense. And then other times it's more like for a family, you know, there's, there are families I work for and they're, they're extremely successful, but their own family doesn't even know how the company started or their own family doesn't even know how poor two, three generations were before them. Their own family doesn't even know the things, the dots in their own person's life that preceded them. I mean, I don't know exactly how you can quantify that, but I, I mean, you know, and these people can afford it. So, you know, it's a little bit different because it's a private deal, but I would, I bet everything I have that 30, 40, 50 years down the line, when a great grandkid can see how this, you know, their great grandmother, great grandfather, how they built what everybody saw and the amount of money that they've inherited there's value to that. And, and I mean, and I, and I'm honest about this. I don't try to push anybody into anything, but just, I mean, what other way? And the only other way to do this is to pay a lot of money for a ghost writer, for an author, or, I mean, we just come in and we provide great service and we have a standardized process, but very high levels of creativity. We don't want to push anybody to do it, but I don't know another option that's more beneficial and, um, and that's, that's less stress and pain for the customer to get it done. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of companies are realizing that what makes, what really is the competitive advantage, you know, you talk about AI and all this, this sort of thing, but it's that human element that's so important and that, you know, your company's culture. And I know there are a lot of companies that would love to have uh, some video of their founders uh, who, you know, are not with us anymore. Uh, reminding, as you say, reminding everybody what the core values of the company was at the beginning. And that helps tie that back. That's a great idea. Well, yes, sir. And I mean, honest, if we're being honest, there are CEOs that they don't give a darn about the founder. They don't want the founder around. And I don't, I mean, I mean, so there is a lot of, it's not for everybody, but usually the ones that are able to, to take the culture and to keep it and preserve it and keep things aligned. Those are the people that care about it. And then there's others that they don't want it. They don't want anything from their predecessor. And I mean, that's unfortunate, but you know, we're not doing the kind of work for those people usually. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, I get it. And uh, like you say that every circumstance is different. Um, but if you're a second or third generation CEO, as you said, it's your grandfather, and you could get him on tape, on video, um, reminding everybody what, uh, where they've come from. Uh, and that's just, that's just always good to remind people. Cause you also, uh, I had a business coach tell me once, you know, that uh, you, starting a, a business and you get it going and you bring new people on, it's like they're jumping on a moving train and you know, they don't really know where you've been and you kind of, everybody kind of assumes that they know, uh, well, don't, yeah, you know that Mr. Smith started this company in 1925, don't you? Well, no, no one ever told me that. And I think it's, it's important, uh, if you want to have a culture that you've got to tie that back in. And as you say, some, some businesses aren't interested in that in the least, but I think the really successful ones in the future are going to be interested in it. Yes, sir. I mean, because what you were referencing earlier, I mean, I mean, AI is powerful and technology is powerful, but how do you think, how do you make decisions? 
what do you not compromise on? And you can't learn that from a language model. Um, and the best people that I've seen that I've been with, they're adamant about it. I mean, they just, they don't, they will, they will inconvenience themselves as much as possible to try to preserve the people, preserve the mission, and it pays off for them. And it's well, a privilege to serve them. Well, what's uh, what's the future for for Driven? Where where would you like to see your enterprise go in the next few years? I love the private work. Love it, and I want to do as much of that as I can. Love going in. Love working for demanding. Um people not demanding in a negative way, but people that want excellence and they want good service. And I love, I've got a good team and I would love to do as much private as I can. To be honest, uh, I don't like the corporate as much. Um, I do love certain corporate clients and they're great to work for. And I'd love to work for you know a few more of those i love who i'm working for right now and want to and want to just continue to serve them there is corporate i don't like and i don't really want to do more of that <laughs> and so um you know really it's hard to kind of when you bring when you bring a certain approach and when you bring a certain understanding and you bring a certain research and then you also bring a certain straightforwardness on the private it's hard to turn that on or off or dial it back i mean you know i'm not a, i don't want to be a controversial figure the the person you're with they're the star but in certain corporations in private you don't have to you don't have to like you just do your job and you serve them and you get to the heart of their business and they're confident in who they are but then sometimes in corporate, you got to just, you got to play a lot of, you got to play by a lot of rules and, you know, the, the way the market is up and down, it just, it's just, honestly, I don't like it. So <laughs> I just want to work as hard as I can, serve people the best way I can, leverage and benefit the relationships I have for the good of others as best I can. And then also be creative with the time that I have as an entrepreneur and, would love to, you know, you know, buy something again or invest, you know, my time or expertise or passion in something again too, because that's a, it's not a residual business, you know, with the, with the private work and the corporate is, but, you know, residual business is good <laughs> and, and equity value is good. And so for the last two years, I've only focused on what I'm doing. I've got good people and good processes, want to continue to grow it but also as an entrepreneur, want to try to think a little strategic. Sure. Speaking of strategery, what, uh, what do you see in the future um, that a company like yours may be offering that we, that we don't even, not even on our radar screen right now? I think there's been a bubble of podcasts. You know, I, I think they got really popular in COVID. And after, and there's a lot of podcasts out there. I still think they're very effective. They're very good. There's a lot of people that start podcasts and then they stop. 
And, you know, I think if people like the interviews, they like the quality, they're going to listen and they're going to keep listening because they're coming back for a reason. Um, as far as the future of it, I don't have a lot of opinions on that. I mean, there's a lot of changes going on and new features and things like that. Um, as far as what I do on the private side, you know, the beautiful thing about what we do is you have a, you have a writer, you have a producer that pulls the story out of the family or out of the entrepreneur. And so you're able to capture that story through their own words, through the long form interviews. You know, I'm sure AI is going to offer something maybe, you know, from an editing standpoint, but we, there's so much thoughtfulness and detail and how we take family pictures and reels and videos and documents and things, you know, I can't really see that right now, but I have seen like for more of the long form video interview, there's some programs out there that I've seen that are more in beta version that are very cool from an interactive standpoint. So like this would take a separate deal for me to raise money for me to, you know, probably hire and partner with a really good CTO or engineer, but you could take like these transcripts and these long form interviews and you could, you could really utilize interactive AI and there's already some stuff out there on it. But like, to me, that's just so cool. My grandfather ran the Liberty bowl. He played for the white Sox. And in addition, like, I wish I have what I do for others for him, but for me to be able to sit down and ask him and be like, you know, what was, what, what's the biggest advice you would give before you get married or, you know, what's the worst career mistake you made or what's the best career decision you made or, who are your best friends and why what's most important to you when you're 70? Like if you could, that interactive standpoint to me, that's fascinating. And there's already some people building on that. And I think that's going to come. And I think that's just going to be a huge gift for families and tight knit families across the country where people really love and respect others and they want it. That's cool. I, you know, five years from now, I don't think we're going to, we're going to recognize uh ai and i hope hopefully it's for the best and you know i i'm still optimistic i i don't think that i think ai is a tool like many other tools and the the talent and intellect of the human wielding it is what's going to make the difference uh so i know that that you're going to you're going to be making great stuff uh into the future you're just going to have a lot more tools uh at your disposal yeah, well, I mean, in that case, you know, I've got a skill set of sitting down, being with people, asking questions, being vulnerable, connecting the dots in my own head. I'm an extrovert. I mean, the skill sets to do these kind of things, they're completely different skill sets. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, that's, you know, which is fine. You know, it'd be fun to see what happens. But, you know, I get I get the energy from taking care of people, understanding them and really pulling the layers back on who they are. And the people that are going to have the skill sets to build that, you know, they're introverts, <laughs> engineers, uh, building technology, but, you know, maybe put something together and make it work. Well, Sam, I, I see we, we've run out of time. Uh, it's been a great conversation, uh, fascinating uh, business that you're in. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Appreciate it. Glad to do it. You got a beautiful office. Well, thank you very much. Uh, 
and, congrats and on congrats work. on your office in Chicago. Well, thank you, thank you. We're looking forward to to that, and you know, maybe I need a a podcast or a documentary on uh, the Crone Law Firm. You're maybe an entrepreneur. We'll yeah, you should, and you're a public servant. Well, I, uh, I again, I appreciate Sam's time, and I appreciate all of you watching and listening. If you enjoyed this, please uh, give us a five star rating or uh, share us on social media. Get the word out about uh, Sam Coates and his great business. Uh, Sam is going to go tell uh, stories, and I'm going to go get some justice. <laughs> Thank you all very much. <laughs>